0: steve happy monday how are you man good good yeah another uh good weekend here in boise got out and got some training hikes in for the upcoming death hike yeah and uh yeah just good weekend you guys get any signs of spring yeah for sure 60 saturday saturday was like 62 degrees and beautiful beautiful day yeah Yeah. i got, got outside of the kids and played took down a couple Christmas lights I forgot to take down back in January <laughs> <laughs> you were that guy the neighbors were like come well, they were on, in my Steve. backyard I got, the, I got the front ones out but oh, I just okay. like I put some on like the play set and stuff like that and they uh, just kind of forgot about them well
1: <laughs> jolly Christmas Steve you put Christmas lights on the kids play set oh yeah oh yeah dude you're a fan of Christmas where's your head at with the death hike what are you thinking
0: through what are you what question marks Uh, do you still have all that oh still it's a a ton of logistics to figure out um but uh really yeah just um just the uh glacier aspect of it the glacier travel like i don't that's just such a foreign unknown thing i still got to do some research i just haven't started digging into that yet but i think some of it too i'm just going to leave a little vague and uh, let adventure decide how that plays out, you know? So uh, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> uh I've I've in the last week I've talked with a couple guys who
1: were going on the death hike and just kind of threw them that question, like, hey, where's your head out with the death hike? How you feeling? And most guys are like, I know we'll be fine, but I'm nervous. Like, I got so because I think there is so you know, new, different, yeah. unknown. Like you just right. have the uneasiness right. about it. You don't know what you're going into. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: um uh i just yeah the physical aspect of it you just never know i mean it's kind of like last year with the snowshoe hike it ended up being fairly easy because the snow was way more frozen and you know hard pack to walk on versus fluffy which you know made sense going in april but still i wasn't expecting i was expecting it to be a lot worse you know just i think anytime you're dealing with those um you're not on nice trail uh things can go smooth or things can go horribly wrong like That's just kind of how it goes, right? I mean, anytime you get off trail hunting, it could just be like easy peasy walking or all of a sudden, you know, um, it could take an hour to cover a mile. It just, you never know what's in front of you.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. Um, We got some listener questions to hit today, but just a couple uh, quick things that are kind of new slash timely. The one, the most timely one is, some listeners may be aware we're doing a limited run of exopacks and cryptic patterns. Uh, so cryptic altitude and cryptic obscura. Uh, and just wanted to mention kind of a last call on those because the pre-orders actually end at the end of the day tomorrow, which uh, as we're recording, this is the 14th. So the pre-orders go through March 15th. And so if you happen to be interested in a pack in either of those cryptic patterns, um, don't wait. <laughs> they're, they're going to be gone here soon <laughs> yeah. dude i had never it, it's their newer pattern obscura um yeah. i had never really seen it in person much
0: until recently and it is it's cool man yeah it's um they're cryptic's a, a local boise company and and i know those guys and so it's um we've done one limited run in the past and uh they they've um <clears throat> made the fabric and i was like yeah we'll, we'll do a limited run just you know i think we've been running it for probably two or three weeks now And then Mm -hmm. cap it off and build the packs, ship them out. And aesthetically, um, they're really like pretty patterns. The altitude is um, just visually to the eye. It was funny, like the shows, anytime the husband asked the wife, like, which pack should I get? You know, and she looking around and she sees the altitude ones. She's like, that one. Like, Mm -hmm. it's uh, they're very just, I don't know, aesthetically clean, nice patterns. And Obscura looks really, really, really sharp. But um, yeah, I think they're, uh, yeah pretty dialed in. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, The other thing, brand new, and this is somewhat of a trial. We're going to put this out there and see how it goes. But um, I've been aware for honestly way too long uh, to have waited this long to try and implement it. But this idea of you guys sharing your questions for the podcast, not only by sending us an email, which is what we've been doing for years at this point, Um, but being able to call in, and I use the word call generically, I'll talk about it in a minute and leave us an actual call a voicemail. So basically being able to ask your question, not to live, but share it with us, um, record it. And then, so in the future for listener questions, we could actually play your question over, uh, the podcast and then talk about it directly. Um, is really, really easy to put this in place. And I kind of kicking myself for waiting this long to try it, but, um, it's also really easy for you guys to leave a question. Again, you don't have to call a number or do anything. There's just a link and the link will be in the show description and the app is called SpeakPipe, And so you can use your mobile phone. You can use your computer, pretty much any device, and you just go to this website page and you have up to 90 seconds uh, to leave an actual voice recording. And then it just asks you to leave your name when you're done and you hit submit and that's it. So then we get notified on our end. Uh, we can listen to your questions and then again integrate that directly into the podcast. So it's a trial. <laughs> uh, we've done a few tests here and we'll see how it works now that we're opening it up to you guys and see if it's something that you guys like and participate and interact with. So I'm inviting anyone listening to go ahead and submit a question to us. So look for that link in the show description. Again, it should not take more than two minutes to uh, leave your question and we'll see how that goes and maybe have more listener questions kind of quote unquote on air in the future versus just emails, which could be pretty fun.
0: And they, for the cell phone, they don't have to download an app. It's just, they can run it off of their browser on their phone cool yeah that's pretty dang
1: cool no app no phone just hit the link and it yeah it walks you straight through and it's really easy so yeah go do that check it out let us know what questions you have topic suggestions something like that and we'll integrate some of those on future monday minute shows right now though we do have questions that were submitted via email this one uh is short and to the point (laughs) which i appreciate um and this guy said what's up with Gators?" I'll use them in the snow, but I see dudes wearing them when it's dry out and they look like Teddy Roosevelt. Am I missing something? I need to appreciate that one, Steve.
0: <laughs> that's probably laughing over your question. People couldn't hear it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, he
1: says, yeah, I'll I use them in the snow, but I see dudes wearing them when it's dry out looking like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Am I missing something?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. It, it cracks me up, man. Cause I, I have the exact, I freaking hate wearing gators unless I absolutely have to, but some guys it's just like part of the uniform. They I'm going out. I need my gaiters on, you know, even though it's 70 degrees and there's like one Creek crossing four miles from the trailhead that they're going to start on or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I hate them. They cut off. I mean, I got sweaty feet, man. They cut off breathability of your feet. Um, I really just use them very sparingly and and probably you know um yeah just only when they're absolutely necessary
1: Mm. do you aside you know he mentioned dry conditions you just mentioned creek crossings etc so aside from moisture you never run into like oh i need them to keep rocks or debris or
0: whatever out of my shoe it's just not something you really run into Yeah, it's not something i'm too worried about yeah i mean sure when i'm wearing like solomon you know trail running shoes low tops and i go down a scree field or something i gotta i get a rock in there but it also takes like 10 seconds to take a shoe off and get that rock out of there it's just not not something that's a big concern of mine Yeah. yeah the only time i've worn
1: them uh in kind of drier conditions is and this is maybe somewhat unique but pants that don't fit well. I'm six, two <laughs> relatively long legs. And I've run into issues in the past where it's like, Oh, I really want to try these pants and see how they perform, but they don't fit all that great. And they're just flat out too short. And so I literally have used gaiters to kind of seal the quote unquote gap between my pants and my boots. Um, but again, that's probably not what most guys are doing. I, it's funny. You said uniform, Steve, that was the exact word that came into my head of got to look the part, right? Like so many guys and especially newer hunters, maybe just see like, Oh, hunters are wearing gators. I should probably wear some gators, um, without maybe questioning why or when or where, and if you really need them and it's context specific and what the potential downsides are, which you said for me, mostly is like lack of breathability and increased heat. Um, so yeah, they're not, I don't want to say they're needed by any means, even in Creek crossings more often than not, you know, it's a matter of, pulling your boots and rolling up your pants. And I've tried crossing creeks with gators on. And if, you know, if it's quick and you're have decent boots and decent gators, they're definitely helpful. Um, and gators are absolutely crucial in certain hunts and areas, obviously in snow or the caribou hunt we've done in Alaska, where it's just wet kind of everywhere. Um, so yeah, for sure they have their place, but is it something you have to throw on gators to go archery elk hunting in a lot of areas? Probably not. So yeah, good question. Uh, another gear one, and then we'll get to, to some more tactics stuff. This guy came through and said, I will listen to your budget gear list on the podcast, which honestly, Steve, I had to stop there because I was like, oh yeah, we did do that. It's been a while. So <laughs> for newer listeners, we will leave a link uh, in the show description for that as well when we talked about our budget gear list because it's been a while. Um, and he says, I'm wondering what puffy jacket and pants you would recommend on a budget. I've been looking at a ton and many are $150 and up, but the options are overwhelming. Uh, He says he's looked on backcountry.com, not just hunting brands. And he's just wondering what is a good puffy? How do you assess the differences? Um, I'd actually asked him a follow-up because I was not sure, you know, see open to down or synthetic or either. Um, and he said he, you know, didn't even have a preference there. So it sounds like a kind of a, he's newer. It sounds to me like he honestly doesn't know exactly what he wants or what he's looking for. And he's just overwhelmed by options, which I get, um, maybe we can talk about budget options, but at the same time, Steve, I feel like it's worth talking from a high level. Like how do you separate different types of insulated jackets, puffies, that because it sounds like he's just overwhelmed by how many options are out there
0: yeah so with puffy pants and jacket it really just depends on the temperatures that you're going to be hunting and the activity level that you're going to have right if it's if it's an elk hunt i'm not packing puffy pants probably it'd have to be really really cold to justify that one um you know you got to be like mid-october and into november for that uh just because you're going to be so active right the majority of your hunting is going to be just moving and stuff like that um the if it, but if it was a mule deer hunt in October, yeah, they're awesome. Wake up in the morning, you know, you're gonna be sitting on this point for three, four hours behind the glass, having the puffy pants just to stay warm. And, uh, you know, the, sometimes those things, um, yeah, I always I'm gonna reference the uh, expert roundtable we did when Blue, Jeff Bloomquist said, you know, the gear that's critical is the gear that keeps you comfortable. And whatever that means to you, that that's what it means to you. But that's one of those certainly those items that um, is probably at times very much worth the weight to pack just to say like, just keep behind the glass for four hours instead of, you know, having a glass for 45 minutes and then get up and walk around and, you know, get some blood flow back to your legs to get warm again. And then you can sit down. So that, that lost time behind the glass could cost you an animal for sure. Um, Puffy pants. Yeah. There's certainly a lot more options. I think it's one of those kind of items that's growing in popularity um, than even just five, six years ago. I really am not too up to speed, up to date on everything that's out there. The, um, I don't know if the one that just random, the, the Kings Gamo stuff that we saw at Unexpo. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if that's necessarily, um, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. I think it was the um, 850 down. Yeah. I, I, I'm just assuming it's a little bit better price point. Uh, eh, 180 bucks. Never mind. Um, That's as much as anything else. Um, I think I saw even Black Ovis has their own down pants now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's a lot of options out there. Uh, I don't, I don't know about budget cheaper options that would fit into that. So um, uh, certainly synthetic and pants makes a lot of sense just because of, you know, you're going to be sitting on your butt and, um, I kind of refer to the first sight uncle Pagri pants. Those are a synthetic insulation and, um, you know, just, just, uh, there's probably more chance of getting that wet, just sitting in the ground or, you know, sitting on wet grass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but also down, you know, I'm sure you can just, you just like anything you work around it, you know, your limitations, you know, you keep it dry. So, and then, um, down jackets to me, there's kind of two, there's the, I guess I'm from a first light perspective, they got their Brooks, which is like super light, basically more like a sweater than a jacket. You know, it's not going to add um, a lot of warmth, just some warmth. So that to me, that's like a 30 degree and above type jacket. And then, and then they have their much bigger, heavier Chamberlain, which is very, very warm jacket. But again, going to be, uh, I think those are like 24, 25, 26 ounces, something like that. So yeah. a completely different category of jacket. I don't know how to, yeah. Again, it depends on, um, your warmth level. I could say, I guess I'll say this, uh, it's like, you can never have, it's hard to be like have too warm of a puffy jacket, um, with the, just understanding the penalty of weight. Uh, I'm not packing a Chamberlain on, you know, August and September hunts, uh, and probably some of my October hunts too. But, um, when you're sitting there and you're not moving, you know, if you're sitting there behind glass for four hours, whether you have a Brooks or a Chamberlain on um, you're not going to get too hot in that Chamberlain uh, versus you certainly could get too cold in the, in the lighter down jackets. So I've kind of been looking for something that's kind of more middle of the road. And just as a, for me personally, uh, that weight I'm looking for, if I'm looking at specs seems to be around probably a pound, 16, 17 ounces. Uh, If they're using lightweight materials, that just means there's, there's going to be a lot more, down, and you know, there's gonna be an extra four ounces of down inside that jacket versus like a first light Brooks jacket. Um, so yeah, kind of keeping my eye out for that though. I did recently get, we mentioned we saw the um, Canis uh, clothing company down in Salt Lake, and um, I ordered up a few things from them just to check out. And uh, they're they have a down jacket that's 16 ounces that's um, pretty promising. I, I haven't done anything but just wear it inside sitting in the house for 10 to 15 minutes, but um. I'm certainly excited to get, get it out there in the field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as budget options though, I wish I could, I don't know. I just, yeah, I guess a little bit more time to research and see what's out there, but I don't yeah. really have any specific suggestions. Yeah. There's a couple
1: things um, I wanted to hit or share. And, you know, when I hear budget and puffy specifically, one of the first things that comes to mind is there's a company called the that has like Uber, Uber cheap. Um, puffy options and a bunch of other stuff to be honest with you. Uh, again, not a hunting company, but I mean, they have like 800 fill power down jackets for $90. Right. Um, and pretty solid reviews. Like I know several guys who have purchased stuff from them. So I'll leave a link in the show description to their stuff. And then I'll also leave another link, um, that can be helpful, and basically a bunch of guys over on one of the backpacking forums created this massive uh, spreadsheet to compare different down jackets. And again, these this is not a uh, hunting specific um, platform. So a lot of the hunting specific puffies may be left off of this, but if you're, cause this guy mentioned as well, looking at, you know, backcountry.com and more of the general we'll call it mountaineering brands. Um, it's a good way to compare those things, but in general, the things when you're looking and comparing is obviously the insulation type we mentioned, uh, down versus synthetic looking at yes, the overall weight of the item, but as you said, Steve, the actual fill weight. So how much insulation is in there. And most, most folks these days are publishing that information. And so they'll say, you know, in a size large, there's 3.4 ounces of 850 fill power goose down, for example. Um, Or in synthetics, they'll say, you know, X number of grams, like 80 gram uh, Prima Loft, for example. Um, So you can compare, yes, the total garment weight, the actual amount of insulation within that. And then just looking at the different face fabrics or the shell, Um, You can get everything down to like a seven or a 10 D nylon or up to like a 20 or 30 D. So obviously the higher number there is going to be heavier, but more durable. Um, And so again, just weigh those different things of like, okay, here's the total weight. Here's the fill weight. uh, Here's the construction of the shell. And that begins to help you make some apples to apples comparisons um, when you're looking at things of different price points. Um, there's a lot of great, like you said, Steve, the first light and others, a lot of great hunting companies. But again, this is definitely an area where there's a, a massive amount of opportunity to, especially when you're on a budget, uh, look outside of that and look for sales. Um, actually, LL Bean has some killer down pieces. Mm, do. Yeah. yeah. LL Bean down and, and uh, at good prices.
0: Uh, Eddie Bauer. Um, mm-hmm. Eddie Bauer has some really good stuff that, uh, in fact, I just got like someone on their email list and they were doing like a It's like a 70% off sale the other day of their down jackets, you know, closing out after winter. Uh, And there was like good down jackets for like 30, 40 bucks.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I've look at those. One thing I personally liked with LL Bean is they have a lot of good size options. Um, They do talls in a lot of their stuff. So, for me personally, I usually float between a medium and a large in a lot of things. And sometimes I have to go to the large only because of things like length. And so Bean, for example, you could do like a medium tall. Um, so if you guys are, you know, you struggle with sizing, that may be something to look at just because you can get, you know, a wider variety of sizing through that. So, um, again, leave links in the show description, all that stuff. So you guys can check it out, but hopefully that's, uh, at least helpful on, you know, making comparisons, how to look at different options, uh, and understand what you're shooting for.
0: Yeah. And certainly don't feel that, uh, camo was necessary for hunting <laughs> well and especially yeah, for a down yeah. piece right like right yeah it, in most pieces, yeah. yeah you
1: you're probably not actually pursuing an animal while
0: wearing your down yeah. pieces so i got a um, kick out of um i was listening to some podcast the other day and they were talking about their camo pattern and um talking about how well animals see blue and then i just like ever fl- i was one of my uh sheep hunting this year in the Frank, I was wearing a, a blue Patagonia lane shirt. Cause it's like the best shirt I have found for hiking in really hot weather. And I had this bull elk walk by me at like four yards and just stare at me like multiple times, but never spooked, never did anything. And just a solid blue shirt at four yards. And I just wanted to crack up cause I videoed it and I was it's like, it'd be a funny thing to post to Instagram. I'm like, well, look how well my camo works. <laughs> yeah. Here I am in a freaking blue shirt, you know, or, you yeah, just the, the stupid marketing crap you see sometimes. Yeah.
1: Um, Steve, this is a, another broad question, but I wanted to see what came to mind for you. Um, this guy wrote in and said, I'm a newer hunter, but I have filled a few tags with my rifle. However, this coming fall will be my first time bow hunting. What are some things I may overlook when training, preparing, or hunting with archery equipment for the first time, given my prior rifle experience? That's a (sighs) super broad broad one. Yeah, we don't Uh, know what he's hunting, where, when, how, but I think there's uh, some important things maybe to keep in mind from a high level when you're new to archery specifically.
0: Yeah, for some reason, my mind initially just jumped to. Um, shooting, shooting a bow. Right. So if if he's hunting, he's already, you know, he's been successful. Um, so he kind of knows how to hunt, you know, that obviously the difference between bow and rifles is a lot more patience and getting closer to that animal. And then I think a tricky spot for new bow hunters is certainly executing a shot under pressure and knowing when to draw, um, what you can get away with, what you can't get away with. Um, and then we know we say this all the time with shooting practice, but certainly if, if you're new to bow hunting, yes, go to the range, get your zero to 60 pins dialed in. Um, but as soon as you're like, feel competent, get a 3d target and get out and get on steep hills, go camping with your family, take that 3d target, set it up. Um, you're, you're certainly like, you're going to gain a lot from that experience of, of shooting up and down hills and um, you know, try to put pressure on yourself to like, all right, I've got one shot to make this happen. I'll, I'll do that. With, um, I'll just take out one arrow. Right. And then you got a lot invested in that shot. Cause it's like, all right, if I'm at 60 yards, I'm going to shoot the one arrow. And I, you know, I want it to be good. Cause I got to walk all the way up there and pit, pull the arrow and come back. Um, so do just very um, have very focused practice in that regards. And, I think that'll help you a lot. And then knowing when to draw is, um, you know, obviously with elk and deer, it's going to be different, but, um, that's a, that's a critical part of it. Just, um, what you can get away with and wait for an elk to put his head behind a tree or look away for a second. Um, it's, it's tricky though. Some guys will draw way too early. And by the time the animal presents a shot, they're, you know, shaking so bad, they can't shoot anymore, mm-hmm. which on that point is a great thing to
1: make sure you're working into practice. This just holds, right? Right. Um, increasing how comfortable you can be holding that bow for 20 seconds and then working up to say 40 seconds and then working up to a minute, um, and then seeing what that does to your, to your accuracy. Um, one thing that comes to mind to me, this is, um, if I'm assuming this guy's elk hunting versus like deer hunting, for example, but is, is you talked about when to draw Steve, but also like where to set up, um, you know yeah. making sure that you're putting yourself in good spots uh so that yes you can draw your bow and not make noise or have something in your way um you know looking for those shooting lanes especially in the elk woods also making sure you have a place to move to um so being able to oh if i need you know if I think this elk's going to come here, but if he, you know, zigs when he should have zagged and then I have to move, like knowing when you set up, here's this, here are these options I have to move. If I need to take a step to the right or back or forward, or maybe get lower, um, you know, assessing all those options when you're setting up, those are just things that I think through my own experience, like, oh, I'm an idiot. I did this wrong. So that's why that's coming to mind for me. Um, is thinking of just kind of those setup things, being aware of your movement, um, little things on setup too, like trying to put yourself in shadows. Um, again, even in, in timber, maybe it's not like necessarily something that's on the front of your mind of like full sun versus not, but even when there's like broken up light through timber is just still trying to stay in the shadows a little bit. Cause again, those you know, those closer range encounters, little things like that can, can help you or hurt you quite a bit. Um, so, and again, those are the things that you can't really practice, you know, um, it's just things to be aware of as you're working through setups. Um, I just, you know, have think through so many different encounters I've had that it's like, oh, this could have went the other way. And maybe I would have filled a tag if I would have set up this way versus that way, or put myself in a better position, um, so those are certainly things that come up for me with elk. Um, if this guy, if I flip that on you, Steve and say, maybe this guy's going yield deer hunting with a bow, maybe it's his first time chasing bucks in the high country with a bow. What are some of the things that come to mind for you for that specifically? Patience, patience, patience,
0: patience, patience, patience. patience. patience, patience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, I, when I started getting successful harvesting bucks, early season was, um, once I found the buck, like I found the deer, like, all right, that's a deer I want to kill. I devoted that entire day to that animal. Um, and taking that kind of commitment really changed how I thought about the process, right? It wasn't like, um, oh, there's multiple bucks on this hillside. You know, this one's going to bet over here. Or there's another one, you know, 800 yards down the ridge or whatever. Uh, if I blow that one, blow this stock up, I got the next opportunity in front of me. It's like, no, all right, that's the one I'm going after. 100 percent focus on it and if it takes all day to get a shot of this animal i'm going to take that time um and that really really worked for me um because if you you just can't rush that you're like 99 percent of the time if you rush it you're going to blow it so it's a matter of waiting for the animal to bed um, when they do bed you got to assess um where's the sun then where's the sun going to be in two three hours is it going to hit them if it is, they're going to get up and change beds. Okay, if they're going to change beds, what's what's that look like? Um, what you know, and then what's your stock angle? You need to come from above. Um, what uh, is he on a east facing, south facing, north facing slope? Um, what you know, what are the thermals going to do? Because really, you got to wait till the heat of the day for the thermals to be really ripping up the hill. Just to completely cover your scent, um, so it's just a, a lot of patience. That and the, that thermal is also going to cover some noise. Um, most of the stuff we have, it gets pretty dry come uh, September if you're bow hunting, and uh, so the le- the leaves and the the grasses on the ground dry up and get pretty crunchy. So you really, really need that uh, a little bit of wind to to cover that uh, sound as you're coming down the hill. So yeah, and then it's just. Uh, that's why the, our Slurpee stalker exists is because of those hunts where you, you know, you take the pack off and, um, multiple times just sitting above a buck for, for hours, just right in the direct sun, three, four five hours, all your, your legs are falling asleep underneath you. You're uncomfortable, but that's the kind of patience and, uh, I guess mental toughness too, that it takes to be successful in those hunts. Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, that's good for today, guys. Uh, Once again, if you want to leave a question for the show, hit that link in the show description and try out the SpeakPipe app to leave us your audio question. So just hit the link and let us know what you want to hear on the next show. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app and also consider sharing the show with a friend. We'll talk to you soon.